true sign of the devil. No! Call me vain and proud. The greatest sinner ever to walk on God's earth. But Satan's boy, I could never be. I haven't the humility. I know what I have sown, and I am prepared for what I shall reap. But do you, Reverend Mother, know what you must give to have your wish about me fulfilled? I will tell you. Your immortal soul to eternal damnation. Take 49. What did he say? <laughs> oh my fucking God. Do it. Just Take do 50. It. Jesus Action. Christ. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. Hi. Sup. Hi. Follow us on Instagram at Speak All Evil Pod. This week, I wanted to check out a couple movies by the legendary British filmmaker Ken Russell, beginning with 1971's The Devils. This is a historical drama about the Catholic Church in 17th century France which is not something that you would normally find me watching. Nope. But it also happens to be one of the most controversial movies ever made. In fact, not that many people have seen the full cut of The Devils. There are a lot of cuts. I don't I don't know that there's ever been an entirely full cut of this movie. It's been censored many times. It's been cut many times. It's been banned. Even now, this is a really hard one to find. It is on Shutter right now, thankfully, but the Shutter version is pretty cut. Uh, you can watch it on uh, f.movies.com, which is where I saw it. You get the full, as, as full a version as has been out there. Even if you try to get a hard copy of this movie, you're going to be dealing with used copies. You're going to be dealing with imports, and you're going to want to look at that runtime. The Shutter version is actually uh, four less minutes than the version on f.movies, so pretty significant. And it's not insignificant stuff. It's important stuff. It's like part of the climax of the movie and then some of the the end is not in there. So at least from my understanding. This is the story of Father Grandier. He is a priest in the town of Loudon, France, uh, and he's a man of great sexual appetite. Mm. He's uh, beloved by all the women in the town, especially the nuns, uh, especially one nun in particular played by Vanessa Redgrave. Um, Father Grandier is played by Oliver Reed, who is absolutely amazing in this movie. Um, he kind of runs afoul of uh, various uh, factions, though. He ruffles feathers in the town with his sexual exploits. He runs afoul of the Catholic Church and state of France at this time, who want to do some things with Loudon that he does not. And it is decided that he needs to be taken out of the way, and he's put on trial for witchcraft and burned at the stake. No spoiler there. This is a true story. It's all history. This was um, written, the screenplay was written by Ken Russell, but this was based on a nonfiction book called The Devils of Loudon and a play just called The Devils. So plenty of source material here. I absolutely love this movie. I had never seen it before. This is like an instant favorite of mine. I can't get enough of Oliver Reed. I think I'm in love with him mm. just as much as the nuns in this. <laughs> we saw him in The Brood where he was really great later in his career, obviously. Very interested to hear what everybody thought about this, and we can discuss the different cuts and all that. 
this was definitely an interesting watch. Uh, I was a bit confused as to why we were watching a historical drama this week. Mm. Uh, but I thought it ended up being a fun deviation from what we usually watch for the pod. By fun, I mean maybe just like a little different brand of evil. I don't know how fun this movie was. <laughs> but, you know, the evil of men. Uh, you know, obviously no real gore in this one. Just uh, some really awful Catholic hypocrisy uh, that we all know and love. The Irish Catholic uh, guilt running through my veins really made this one enjoyable for me, for sure. Um, I really, honestly, I couldn't really take my eyes off this one. I thought it was a super enthralling movie. In full disclosure, it was pretty late when I watched it. I had had some beverages. Didn't even fall asleep, though. So that goes to show (laughs) how much I thought this movie was enthralling uh, to me. The weird humpy nun um, wanted to bang the priest. Well, I guess. you got to be more specific when you say humpy nun. Well, one with the hump. She's got a big old hump. <laughs> the hunchback of Notre Nun um, <laughs> was a really uh, <laughs> <laughs> wanted to bang this priest, but he wanted to bang Bridget Jones's mom, and then he impregnated the other one, and so everyone was just like out to get him, I guess. I don't really know what the hot glasses, doors, keyboardist-looking motherfucker was so upset about. Oh, that's Warren Zevon. Who's that? Is that the the actor or the... Oh! The, the, <laughs> the guy who does Werewolves in London, the song. That guy? Yeah. I, the disregard. original <laughs> biter of you know horror movie titles. Wonderful. I don't know what he was so upset about. Uh, maybe not having such a sweet mustache, but he also had beef with him. I don't know. It was a bummer story and ending, but a really interesting watch, especially because they pulled the whole, you know, this is true events, blah, blah. And I was kind of like, yeah, okay, Blair Witch. But then, oh, no, it was actually a real thing that happened. Honestly, not really a historical drama fan normally, but I was glad to have seen this one. Nick was super into it because he likes all that kind of shit. Um, he wanted me to reiterate that The Devils was a good movie. He oh, made sure to text me. He's great. seeing wrestling in Boston tonight. Great. But oh. he was like, the, it was great. Make sure they know. I'm like, yeah, Just in the nick of time. Well, nice. He's got good taste hmm. in film. Hey, there it is. <laughs> I never would have watched this movie at all if you hadn't picked it, Trent. So it's another one. Like I, I find myself saying this to you guys more frequently. Thank you. Um, when I saw this pop up on Shutter, I don't know why, but like for whatever reason, it just looked like a more modern movie. I feel like the first poster that they had up when you're just scrolling through Shutter, like on movies, uh, it looks different now uh, as we're watching it here. I, I I honestly thought it was like a modern flick, and like Dave and I were talking earlier, like I don't know how this never came up on my radar. I had never heard of this movie. I didn't know it existed. Even when you know we're doing our extreme episodes, this doesn't even come up. It's just not out there in the world. But thank you. This was awesome. When it started, and I was like, oh, my God, the 1600s. This is going to be fucking yeah. terrible. No, they knew their torture, though. Yeah, yeah. But like you said, Kat, like as I watched it, I was like, why am I so into this? Mm -hmm. It's not, we can debate whether it's a horror movie or not. I'll leave that for later. Oliver Reed, unbelievable performance. Vanessa Redgrave, never heard of her. Uh, By the time, I had never heard of her. By the time that I would have been watching movies that Vanessa Redgrave was in, she would have been at the age where she was playing like a side character of an older lady. 
So this is her as yes. a young, right. just killing it. She's fantastic. The story's crazy. It's very Wicker Man-ish. That's a movie that I hated until I rewatched it for the podcast and really started to appreciate it. So I dug that aspect of it. Cat, no gore. There's some ridiculous shit in this movie. Like when he is burned alive at the end for 1971, there's some amazing makeup and everything like on Oliver Reed is brief. Oh, sure. it's, it's not what we're used to. It's not hostile. Yeah. But there are some some good, you know, scenes. As far as the entire premise being a real thing, it gave me a nice warm memory of when we all went to Salem together and were able to check out the Witch Museum and learn about the Salem Witch Trials. This was happening big time in Europe at this time. Apparently uh, going out with the kids on a Sunday morning and watching someone burned at the stake was a real, real fun thing for the town. So I love this, Trent. Lots to talk about. And you were right when you texted me. Uh, and you said you're going to love the Wikipedia pages. Um, <laughs> I probably spent more time reading about you know this historical period than I did watching the movie. But yeah, Dave, what's up? Uh, it's nice to see a man burned at the stake for once. Yes. That was kind of nice. Good point. It did remind me of Salem a little bit too. But th- for the podcast overall, it's a, evil is the goal, not horror. Uh, we just want stuff that's evil. And for me, though, it's no question this is definitely a horror movie. Um, now that I think of it, it's it's folk horror, and it's early on. I mean, folk horror goes way back, but it's early on in like big production, big actors, folk horror. Um, I did want more poop eating. Mm, yeah, it's no Salo. Yeah, I think that this movie mm-hmm. definitely it reminded me a little bit of Salo, or a lot of those movies from the seventies with the huge ensemble casts in some crazy setting. Um, the cinematography definitely reminded me of Alejandro Jodorowsky, but then we looked it up and there's the Holy Mountain came out after this. So all those like really cinematog, uh, cinematographic, uh, parts with like the crosses and all the, you know, the matching uniforms from, you know, the, the convent, it looked really great, but like censorship, they can suck it because they censor stuff like this because it's about Christian stuff but how many bad guys have you seen that are muslim or they're any other religion in any movie that they are they villainize them like crazy like just suck it up and like let's make a fun evil story about christians and you don't have to be all insecure about it and (laughs) i thought warren zevon was actually Stuart (laughs) copeland (laughs) i'm gonna do a side by side on our instagram of uh, Michael Gotard, who I believe is the the exorcist. He he's the witch hunter. The witch hunter, yeah. Yeah, who comes in to to uh, make the case against uh, Father Grandier or uh, yeah, Father Grandier. Basically, what happens is that the state of France at this, in my understanding, is controlled at this point by the Catholic Church. They're doing all these purges of Protestants from all the towns and stuff, and really trying to keep the Protestants in their uh, in their place and. Father Grandier has been made the de facto mayor of this town, and he does he resists this effort. So it's decided that he needs to be taken out, and the best way to do that is to bring him up on charges of witchcraft. It's Sister Jean or Sister Jean. One of you guys mentioned how she, in particular, is lusting after him. Yeah, when am big I dick am I wrong in understanding <laughs> that she's never even seen him? No, she no. I think. She so at the she, end. she is in love with the idea well, of says, him, right? Right. 
and then discovers that he has gone and secretly married Madeline. Yes, exactly. Yes. And then decides, okay, well, if I can't have him, it's not a if I can't have him, nobody will situation. It's if, an, if I can't have him, I'm going to make all these nuns get super horny and naked and act possessed and will get him lit on fire. Exactly. Okay. So I got yeah. it. Yep. She gives this false confession, Sister Jean, that he has uh, used his powers of the devil to enter her room at night and he's driven all these nuns crazy with sexual desires mm-hmm. and uh, it's really wild and the the exorcist of course the witch hunter goes right along with this and there are all these scenes of like these public displays there's like a public exorcism of sister jean it's it's a real like pig circus trial kind of thing and the whole the whole thing is you know very very witch trial thing and then i thought it was interesting to see in this context so the glasses exorcist guy, yeah. that whole those whole people, they're Protestants. No, or they're, they're all the Catholic. Catholic. No, they're he's, all Catholic. he's a Catholic priest too. Yeah, but they just don't like mustache. Well, they they want to destroy the walls of this town. This town is built like around these big walls, and they want to destroy these walls because they're not convinced that he has the Protestants under control. They're not convinced that he oh. will stop. He was not keeping the Protestants down enough for them. Sure. Okay. So they want to rip down the walls of this town so they can make sure that no Protestants get any ideas, and he sure. tells them, no, you can't do that. That's okay. why they, they want to take him out. I and they're see. doing that all across France. Okay. But the mayor of this town, was, was it Louis VIII or uh, the 13th? Oh, God, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. One of them. So King Louis, one of them. Um, was friends with the mayor and from a political standpoint promised the mayor that he wouldn't tear down the walls of this particular town. Right. So when the mayor dies, then Grandier becomes the de facto, you know, in charge right. of the town, not the mayor, but it defers to like the head Catholic priest. I see. Uh, and then that's when Paul. So there's a lot of political things that I, mm-hmm. I didn't quite get deep enough down the rabbit hole to understand, but essentially it ends up being a political thing. And one of the most interesting aspects of the movie to me was Sister Jean's whole ploy is proven false multiple times and everybody just keeps ignoring it. That's right. There are scenes where even the Inquisitors and the people that are kind of leading the charge have moments where they're like, this is bullshit. We we all know this is not true. There's the yeah. scene where one of the tests they do for witchcraft here in this movie is they prick your tongue and if you don't bleed... You're a witch. And so they show, they strap Father Grenier to the chair and they start, you know, pricking his tongue and blood starts coming really out. It's like a nail. Yeah, it's not really, yeah. Prick is a, is a uh, yeah, that's a very kind of You way do it every day. They, like, they nail his like tongue that. and it starts bleeding and the guy just says, no blood. And they write down, no blood. So nobody else yeah. is there. So that's what happened. I had a, a favorite moment where they're having like this big, you know, sexy nun party. To yeah, show that yeah, they're th- this possessed. Is, this is your favorite moment. It's yeah. on screen right now. And um, the bougie little guy was like, I have the blood of Christ in this box. And he's like, I he's can the, feel it. He's the king. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. like, he's I can feel it. Oh. Yeah. Well, there we go. He's like, I can feel it, blah, blah, blah. Like the fucking exorcist. And then he opens it. And he's like, psych! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great, that was a yeah. great moment. Gotcha. That was definitely my favorite part. That's when I was like, oh. This movie fucking slaps. This the king is great. doesn't even really care that much. No. He's just it's a joke to him. It's yeah. weird. The king doesn't want to stop the boob party. Um, so Who of would? course no. he's going to be like, no. psych. <laughs> There's a lot of great hipster nudity in this. I just saw a girl with a shaved head wearing just suspenders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like a lot of you know royal. It's very like sort Return of, of the Living Dead. 
period piece nudity. Yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, full frontal nudity in this of not just full frontal nudity, but of nuns. The thing is with the stuff that we watch, it's hard to sometimes like understand why this was that controversial at the time. So you have to put it in the context of 1971, in the context of the Catholic Church. If if it was, like you said, Dave, it was about anyone else, it wouldn't have been. But my God, they're not only are they full frontally nude, but they're nuns and they're... <laughs> Well, and, I had this, sex with this, a lot of nuns in the seventies and eighties. This scene, Trent, uh, there's this is one of the legendary cut scenes that that cat Dave and I did not see, but you saw. Yeah, and I believe where it's cut is after King Louis whatever number shows that his his magic box is empty and there's nothing in there that would have drove the demon away. They start going crazy again, and they push down this giant cross. I believe yes. that's right where the cut happens. Okay. Let's, and and yes. you have you have the knowledge. Let's talk about that. That is one of the things that I read about is the legendary scene is referred to as the rape of Christ. And I was like when I was reading about this movie, because this does come up once in a while. The only the only way I know about it is searching for extreme horror movies like a weirdo. So there's this legendary scene called The Rape of Christ. And I'm like, wow, Rape of Christ, that Sounds, Sounds I, great. I got to see that. You know, <laughs> rape Christ? Yeah. I don't see that every day. Um, that scene was lost for 30 years. And there's actually a, a great documentary about this movie that's on YouTube. It's only about an hour. You can watch. It's really good. And it was made by uh, a, a guy who found the Rape of Christ scene. Ken Russell didn't even know where it was. The movie is called Hell on Earth, The Desecration and Resurrection of the Devils. Look for it on YouTube. Guy made this movie and he went and he found the lost tapes and he brought them to Ken Russell and this movie shows Ken Russell seeing the scenes for the first time since he made the movie. He thought they were lost too. So what happens is all the nuns in their hysteria, they take down this giant statue of Christ on the cross. It's like a little bigger than life size. And they all completely naked start having sex with it, riding it, um, sitting on his face and like grinding their uh, their genitals into his face. And it's totally bonkers. You're turning me on. I take back my whole thing about the censorship. Now I'm starting to understand it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if anyone, like, <laughs> if anything's believable in the Bible at all, like Jesus... He's had enough. You know, he doesn't need this. That's right. That's right. It is it is really really blasphemous and in the movie though the point of that is that scene is intercut the way that X does some scenes which we talked about last week. That scene is intercut with the scenes of Grande when he's on his like his trip back from seeing the king or whatever and he's really feeling a renewed and enriched and deepening faith. And he really wants to stop his philandering ways. He's gotten married in a secret ceremony. He wants to lead the town. He's really, truly absorbing the lessons of his faith. While he's doing that, they are committing the ultimate blasphemy. His his prosecutors are the ones that are like doing the blasphemy. That's kind of the message, I guess. Yeah, this is a scathing indictment of the Catholic Church. And Russell himself said that this was basically his like final nail in the coffin of his Catholicism. Yeah, right, um, right. But I think you're wrong in terms of, and this is sad, I think you're wrong to say that if this came out today, it wouldn't be that controversial. Because we're living in a country right now that is literally being dragged back 
to this type of thinking. Right. Well, uh, just because we we all already know the Catholic Church is complete trash now. Like this is before the sex abuse scandals, the child abuse scandals. This is way before that. Like we we all know it's total garbage now. But this is before all that. I wanted to say that uh, Vanessa Redgrave came to my parents' business oh. <laughs> in like the early 2000s. And I didn't know who she was. And my mom got her autograph. And she was like, oh my God, Vanessa Redgrave was just here. And I was like, who? And now I'm like, wow. Yeah, I, I would confess. autograph. I would confess, Kevin. I, I, the only way I know Vanessa Redgrave is that Tom Petty says her name in the song. You're jamming me from the 80s. Remember that song? You know that song, Tara. (laughs) (laughs) Big fan. Hey, Kat, I was curious. um, One of my favorite lines in this film is when one of the women or one of the nuns from the town sees Father Mm Granger, and she says, now that's a man worth going to hell for. Woo! That's a great line. Were you you as taken? Would you call Father Granger daddy of the week? I absolutely would. Did you see that mustache? There's something about him. Maybe that's why Drunk Cat didn't fall asleep in watching this movie. She was like, "Mm." because even when he was shaved like a baby at the end, I was still like, he could get it. Yes, damn right. All the bitches want it. (laughs) Tara agrees. I think think Father Granger was possessing you. Actually, Oliver Reed plays Bill Sykes in Oliver Twist. He's like the uh, street dude that like saves Oliver from everything. I grew up on that shit. That's too many Olivers for me. Who's your favorite Oliver? Close off. <sighs> I hate you so much. <laughs> Oliver Close off? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I forgot to mention uh, speaking of the uh the rape of Christ scene. Hmm. I forgot to mention that the the kind of the piece uh the resistance of that scene mm. is that while the nuns are all naked nuns are all doing this, it cuts to one of the priests that are um, prosecuting Granger, and he's furiously masturbating under his robe, like shows him like really what? going to town. Yeah, while the desecration is happening, he I just saw that. He, oh, you saw that part? Yeah, okay, and that, he, while he I was watching it, and I was like, real, recognize real. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> so again, when you put it in context. No, there is not poop eating, there, but yeah. yes, there is a lot of provocative stuff going on here. Yeah, I think I would have been less enthralled by the film had a poop eating scene snuck in. Yeah, you get like you an know, extra fun. star from me if there's no poop involved in yes. any film at all. We do know that you hate the poop. Thank you. I, yeah. I got to detract a little bit. I will add another <laughs> star to this movie for an alligator sword fight scene. Oh, oh <laughs> I love the scene. alligator scene. <laughs> Um, didn't Oliver Reed also star in the Three Musketeers? Uh, maybe I don't know. I'm pretty sure, and that was a very Three Musketeers moment. Like <laughs> somebody is coming at him with a sword, and he is fighting them off with a fake alligator. It that, was. I was like, is this getting into comedic territory? Which his, it's not. But that's his last big hurrah. If he was in in Three Musketeers. He was in it. He was the third, nice fourth job. musketeer. What? But it's it's a it's a I think the sixth. Three? I think it's like a it's the not the one you're thinking of. To be no, clear, no, no, no. It's like the sixties or it's the way before musketeer. this. Musketeer. Do you guys know how Oliver Reed died? He's dead. It's a really sad story. No, oh. he died at like fifty-four or something. He was a, a severe alcoholic. Yeah, and you can actually oh. watch videos of him like on the Tonight Show and on, on, particularly on David Letterman in the eighties. 
he's really, really drunk. And what happened is that he was in the movie Gladiator and he had an agreement supposedly with Ridley Scott that he wouldn't drink during the filming. And so he decided that he's only going to drink on weekends and that'll be the solution. But apparently what happened is that he ended up at a pub and a bunch of guys, because of his reputation, they supposedly challenged him to a drinking contest and he drank more than, you know, you can even imagine. I mean, there's there's lore about it and stuff. And he ended up having a heart attack and dying after that binge. It was a bunch of Same. Navy people like that had come to shore and were doing, you know, like the cliche Navy thing. Like, let's go to the bar. Yeah. And yeah. you can find it. On, I think it's on Oliver Reed's wiki what he consumed. Yeah. But it's like Andre the Giant exactly. type levels. Yes. of It's bottles of whiskey and it's yeah. bottles of things. Did he finish Gladiator? No, they ended up using some doubles and some technology and stuff to actually finish out his, his stuff. Um, oh, I'm not Gladiator. One of the interesting things about, to me, about the censorship of this movie is if you watch the documentary, The Hell on Earth, The Desecration and Resurrection of the Devils, they actually have one of the censors is, is in the documentary. And he talks about having seen the first full cut of this movie, one of his concerns, he, he wasn't cutting it as like a member of the church or something or from personal offense as much as that he felt that for the good of the movie, it would have to be cut because you would be getting into legalities. You would be violating like obscenity laws for the good of Ken Russell's career for, and also for the good of like these censors were trying to protect the film industry itself. And he felt like just for the good of everyone, you couldn't have some of the stuff in there. And Ken Russell says like he under, he, he knew the guy and he understood yeah. and he, and he agreed like, okay, like, yeah, that's too much. Well, that's what I was wondering. Cause I'm like, if you're going to make this film anyway, that's obviously going to cause a stir and going to be a controversy and yada, yada, yada. Why don't you just fucking do it all the way? You know what I mean? Have right. the... I felt that like that. You know too. what I mean? So, like, yeah. it was. I was curious as to why, but that makes sense. You know, it, sure, why not? Well, speaking of legalities, there are a lot of reports. I don't know, Trent, if the documentary touches on this at all, but during some of, like, the mass craze scenes... There, a lot of the extras, yes, were sexually assaulting some of the women. Yeah, that were in there. Yep. Wonderful. I don't know. I don't know if that. I would. I don't know if it's a lot, but there were there were allegations. It was chaos. Yes. Yeah. That in the pileups and some of like the chaos scenes, right? Because they're like rolling around. You've got nude extras rolling around with clothed extras, and like yeah, it's an ocean of people. Yes. And yeah. I guess some people got a little, uh, a little rapey. Yeah. At the bottom of the pile. Well, the the final like cut scene is at the very end of this movie. After Grandier has been burned at the stake, Sister Jean is kind of uh, inconsolable, and she's you know she's hunched over in her little. The other thing about her, as well as her like her disability or um, her deformity, she's like always in this like little. Um, like almost little dungeon. dungeon type of thing. It's yeah. very Catholic and very weird. It's not, she's not forced to be in there. It doesn't seem, but um, we should talk, we didn't really talk about the set design, but this movie looks absolutely incredible. All that stuff was plaster made to look like white brick. It's just phenomenal. They built this whole crazy set. So at the end of the movie, one of the prosecutors comes in after Grandier has been burned and dead and he tosses a broken charred femur 
at Sister Jean, and he and he says, "Well, here's your father, Grange," and he leaves, and she proceeds to masturbate with the charred femur. I thought it was a dick, a father Grange. It looks like a cock and balls because of the right. And I thought in seventies, that's what that's what they had. I thought know? that was yet yeah, another person telling her, "We know that you're full of shit." Am I wrong that like, the speech no, he gives her yeah, as he's handing yeah, yeah, her the yeah. bone, he tells her, like, you're going to, like, this town is going to crumble, it'll yes. die, yes. and you will go into oblivion. Yeah. I think that was a subtle acknowledgement that here's what your wild stories and your, you know, here's what you did. Have fun with the charred, broken femur. Hey, I'm always up for anything taking down religion. <laughs> I feel like this is how my life is going to end. Yeah, you did this, 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 and this, and now... And here's a bone to masturbate with? That's how you think you're going to go out? I mean, maybe. I'll be lucky. That's a happy ending right there. You should be so lucky. You know the day destroys the night. Night divides the day. Try to run, try to hide. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side, yeah. All right, my second selection for this week is the movie Altered States from 1980. Of course, again, directed by Ken Russell. This one, though, was written by a, uh, a famous uh, playwright, novelist, and screenwriter. Patty Shayefsky wrote, among other things, Network. He's a multi-academy award winner. And there's some funny stuff about the interplay between Russell and the writer that we can get into. This was one of my favorite movies as a kid. I hadn't seen this since I was a kid. This was a VHS rental. I rented it probably more than once. I really, really liked this movie. I didn't remember a whole lot about it. This is I didn't realize it was the feature film debut of William Hurt, who's the star of this movie, also stars Blair Brown and uh, Bob Balaban. I didn't understand this movie when I was a kid at all, but I understood that there was tons of awesome imagery and tons of awesome scenes and Simeon men running around like this just blew my mind I, it's kind of funny I think now to think back about how old I was watching this being like this movie rules um, it's the story of uh, Ed Jessup who's played by William Hurt he is a um, psychopathologist studying schizophrenia and he's developing this theory about not only schizophrenia but about other states of consciousness and, and this idea that all of these various states of consciousness are all real, that they're all kind of equal, and that when you're in a dream state or a fugue state or a schizophrenic state or whatever, that's another reality that is like the same as this one. So it gets pretty trippy from the start, and he's experimenting with this isolation tank that's at the university where he's working. He ends up going to Mexico and doing a ritual with this tribe that he finds out about who uses uh, mushrooms to have this experience that they claim is a shared universal experience where they all get in touch with the dawn of man and the dawn of humanity or of humankind, that that we all, all human beings have a collective memory that's all the same and that we can like all remember the same things and we can all be connected in this state. It's pretty out there. I think it could have gotten a little bit more into that. Um, it just turns into a monster movie is really what happens. This reminded me a lot of The Fly. Cronenberg um, must have seen this movie. I think you could marry 2001 or the original Fly, put that with Altered States, and then you, I think you've got David Cronenberg's The Fly. But I love this movie. Really, really good time. I do have some problems with it, but uh, highly recommend Altered States, and this is VOD right now. 
This movie is inspiring uh, for drug users. <laughs> it's it's very. Um, it brings it to the scientific uh, realm. There was a book called Altered States of Consciousness from 1969 by Charles T. Tart. And he wrote this book after uh, kind of experimenting with all kinds of different uh, drugs and, you know, noticing all like the sensory uh, changes that happened during using these drugs. And um, I thought it was interesting that this was called Altered States. Um, and it was very influenced by that. I also felt like it was influenced by uh, 2001. Um, I also thought The Fly. I also thought a little bit, like right now, maybe Encino Man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I also thought a little bit like Reefer Madness because of its unfair portrayal of psychedelic drugs. <laughs> um, they like they really go off on this like you know I've done a lot of different stuff and I've never like you know been a glowing orb that I touched my girl. I mean maybe I have, but I really like this movie. I thought that this is like really early CGI is what Kevin told me and to me this is like the best CGI. Yeah. Um, it's agreed. Love yeah, it. super good. It's super psychedelic. It reminds me a lot of 2001 in the CGI aspect of, or not even CGI, I shouldn't say that, because there's a lot of practical effects that are done with oil dropping onto pallets of glass yeah. and filmed, and I assume that's what's happening in a lot of these like really like transcending moments, but I love Altered States. Um, I hadn't seen it in a long time. Like you, I saw it when I was a kid, did not understand it. And now I see it, and I respect how progressive it is, and I just uh, I love all the practical effects, and I love all the CGI effects. Another one that I hadn't seen. Oh wow, nice! Had never seen it, but this is one like you mentioned, Trent, like renting like the VHS, and this is one unlike the Devils that I'd never heard of, seen anything on. This one I know the cover of this movie, like you know it. I walked by it when I was a kid. I've seen it on streaming platforms, and I, I don't know why. I just never, like, stopped on it. I, I think it just seemed, like, not horror enough. It seemed, yeah, you know, I don't know. Whatever. I hadn't watched it. Thank you again. I should have watched this movie. Would have loved to have watched this movie when I was younger, um, particularly when I was doing some drugs and been <laughs> like, hmm, what, do, what do I think of this? I wouldn't have understood it at all. But this time it was fun because, again, like you said, you're going to have fun going down like the, the wiki hole. Uh, it's a really interesting movie. William Hurt, great performance. Can't believe it's his first one. Blair Brown, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, she, in later years, would go on to star uh, as a quasi-major character in a show called Fringe that I absolutely love. And Fringe pulls a lot from Altered States, which I realized after I watched this. Part of it uh, does uh, include deprivation, sensory deprivation tanks and going to like not uh, doing like the whole like consciousness thing, but like going to different universes. Um, so it, it, it's a great show. I could talk about that one all night. Not really a horror movie. Like both movies you picked oh, are like kind of uh, like, cosmic horror, bro. A Transcending straight, horror. Straight horror. So to, to pile on the movies that you guys were comparing it to, I got a little bit of From Beyond from this one. Um, and I also got a little bit of Jacob's Ladder. And mm. I don't know if like Jacob's mm -hmm. Ladder is from necessarily is like, like it's, it's two parts. It's like the journey that William Hurt goes on. 
but also like stylistically, like the way the movie looks reminded me a lot of Jacob's Ladder. Yep. And I don't remember what year Jacob's Ladder came out, but this movie reminded me of it in terms of like the way it looks. I got a lot of theological stuff from this as well. Like just like the devils only the devils is clearly just blasting the Catholic church. This one is like, I felt like it was like walking this line of does God exist? And like, what is the origin of like mankind? Cause you mentioned Trent, um, you know, William Hurt's character, Jessup, he believes every human contains genetic memories. Right. And he's trying to pull them out. Right. Uh, I also, you know, Dave, like you mentioned uh, the book, um, but this was inspired by like John C. Lilly's, you know, his experiments yep. in sensory deprivation tanks, which actually happened before Lilly hooked up with Timothy Leary and they just started doing a shitload of drugs. Yeah. Um, so it was fun for me. Like, Dave and I were talking earlier about, like, oh, I just love, like, the fact that it's these scientists that are, like, trying to do progressive things and using drugs. But I also think another question for this movie is, I think some of these guys just like getting fucked up. So they can say, they can be super smart guys Same. with, like, Harvard degrees. <laughs> but I think there's an element to it where they're just like, hey. I really like getting fucked up. No, it's the universal genetic code, man. What a weird fucking movie this was, for sure. But, like, science-y weird, not like a grotesque horror movie weird. Which, again, I appreciated a nice little deviation this week. Absolutely. Uh, Definitely took a little bit for me to kind of understand what was going on. Um, kind of like you guys in childhood watching this film. But I think I kind of understood what happened. I might still not know. But I think I had a general <laughs> gist of what was going on in this movie. Uh, that being said, I thought it was very interesting. Again, it grabbed my attention. It held it. I was not expecting this guy to like turn into this... Um, like, turn from this, like, ayahuasca kind of drug, you know, thing, like, quite so literally. I know. You know what I mean? Me like, either. I thought I it was just going to be, like, in his brain. Then all of a sudden it's like, surprise, I'm an ape. And I'm like, okay, I think I'm following what's going on. Um, so that was quite the thrill ride uh, for me personally. But, yeah, that guy, William Hurt is the guy I'm obviously talking about. Definitely horny for, like, hunting and consuming, like, animals. Like, he talked about it a few times. Uh, very into it. Seemed a little too jazzed uh, to me to be in a primal state, personally. Um, but that might just be, you know, the guy just being pumped about doing drugs. He's like, cool, this is great. He's like, I can run around. I thought it was interesting that, you know, he was still kind of, like, cognitive within this beast, this uh, pre, this ape man, but not in control, but he was like super into it. I would hate that personally, like not being able to be in control, but still seeing what's going on. And that's why I don't like psychedelic drugs. Mm. So here we are. Sad. Yeah, sad. I was really impressed with the title sequence of Altered States. When it first starts, the title sequence uh, is just him in the... Uh, isolation tank with like the water and mm-hmm. he's in like this like uh sphere and then the the, the title card just kind of like zooms out and reveals the letters it's really cool i think ken russell wants to come on god's face after watching mm, both of these definitely. movies 
I think he definitely has a thing for God, and I like that. And I was really surprised that if you look at Ken Russell's career, he's worked with tons of huge actors and never had a huge blockbuster, but somehow he maintained his career the whole time on integrity. Um, Always cinematically beautiful, always well-directed, always great dialogue and script. And kind of offbeat. I mean, he made Lair of the White Worm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like I want to watch that bizarre one. horror comedy from from the mid eighties. I I can't believe you know Cap, that you hit on like what surprised me about this, even though I had seen it multiple times. In my memory, I didn't realize how full throttle it went into transforming into yeah. the simian man. Um, and and I should finish that once once uh, Jessup has gotten the drug back from Mexico, he's got this drug back. Then he takes that drug and introduces it into his isolation tank experiment. Mm-hmm. So now he's going in his tank for four or five hours on the drug. And now he's, he's shooting it up. He's turning into, no, they're not, they say they're not, they're explicitly not <laughs> shooting it up. One of their colleagues accuses them of shooting it up. What are you guys just over here shooting up drugs and getting the isolation tank? What's going yes. on? Um, he turns into, it's very uh, Jekyll and Hyde. That's another I think another like classic that this is obviously influenced by. Uh, he turns into an ape. That's where I thought I'm surprised you would say you would question if this is a horror movie. I mean, there is a way more time than I remembered with the transformed Jessup running around the city, going to the zoo, eating goats. That I mean, what whole the fuck? thing? If this going isn't to a horror zoo. movie? Then Wolfen is in a horror movie. <laughs> A wolfen isn't really, I would say. So that doesn't, that doesn't help so much. <laughs> my point. Yes. I'm just saying Fight. a lot of 80s movies were paced this way where it wasn't until the very end you saw the creature. And this, I feel like it was pretty early on. It was at the beginning of the third act where you see this primordial bro just going out. Uh, and the transformation was weird. They don't explain a lot between the... I felt that's the part that was so 2001 because it goes from... The caveman type dude, all the way to like future laser man light. We don't understand what's going on. Yeah, like I didn't understand that. They went pretty quick from that. That would be my only complaint about the movie. It went from zero to one hundred pretty quick. I thought with the ape man, <laughs> like all of a sudden he's like, you know, just I'm really excited about experimenting with drugs, man. And then all of a sudden he is a. Then he's fucking Tron. He's fucking <laughs> yeah. It's a weird timeline. <laughs> I think the love story is an interesting part of this one. Um, I, I don't know about the book. Uh, I know that Russell and Chayefsky had some serious uh, issues. I love reading the, about that. I, I love these stories <laughs> of like yeah. strife on set. <laughs> Me too. And there's like 17 different takes. <laughs> That's like right. everybody, oh, no, no, no. It was totally Russell. No, it was yeah. Chayefsky here. Yeah. Um, but the love story aspect, I, so my one criticism of this movie would be uh, the happy ending. Ah, sorry, same. sorry if that's same. a spoiler no, alert. That, that's fine. Um, but it, I wasn't it, trusting it. I didn't trust it at first. Yeah, and I was hoping. <laughs> I was like, is there like one more minute? Or like, uh-huh. this is 1980, so post-credit scenes weren't really a thing. But it was like, can we like not put a bow on this? There like, should have been one. This movie's so fucking weird. Like the, to put a bow on it at the end is a bizarre. I know a bizarre call. Yeah. But I, I did find the love story more interesting in a really fucking weird movie like this. And maybe that's where like the fly vibes come from. 
But I thought it was uh, I thought it was good. I actually thought it was really good. I think Hurt was great. I think Blair Brown was great. And I like the fact that like um, it's a love story in the movie ultimately ends with like their love for each other, like ending Tron. But they're like on the brink of divorce in the entire film. This right. isn't like the first like ten minutes are like, I'm super smart, you're super smart, let's fuck. Uh, I'm gonna have really weird visions of God while we're fucking. Uh, yeah, Blair Brown's like, do you right always there. do that? Yeah, that's uh, some game. Because right I'd be there. like, okay, bye, good Tinder date. <laughs> that theolo- See ya. Theology game. Because she's like, Respect. will you marry me? Like she proposes to him. Um, but then we like fast forward. And apparently Drew Barrymore is one of their daughters. Yeah, I, I, what? Don't really I see her, that. but it's also yeah. it her sec, yeah. feature film debut. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I, I did appreciate the fact that like that was an element of like a, a a love story that can sometimes ruin a movie like this, that it was them like on the verge of divorce the entire time. Yeah, and it, it turned out all he really was searching for was love. Uh, I, I didn't love that. I didn't yeah, love that, the like, ending. Full I, 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 like, yeah. I like the journey. Okay. But like you guys, yeah. I think I would have liked, so liked it to end. When she goes into, like, when he, like, his energy or whatever pulls her in, just obliterate them It's both. so abrupt. Yeah. Like, the sand scene when he's in Mexico, uh, that's amazing to me. And that, I thought, was yeah. foreshadowing for how this film was going to end. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know, this movie is paced incredibly well. This is a much faster-paced movie than I remembered and that I, or that I expected going in. Like, this movie gives you, in the first 20 minutes... Half hour, you're like, man, you have seen a lot happen in this movie. It goes by. There is no dragging in this. And the ending is just like that. It's like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So one of the reasons is we're talking about like Chayefsky and Russell's, uh, their rift. Yeah. So uh, Russell hated the script of this movie. And he thought it was like way too wordy. Yep. So I watched this one time. I rented it and watched it and was like, wow, I've never seen this. That was great. And then I did my research, and then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna. There's so many things about the making of this movie out there online. I want to watch it again and see what I notice. Do you guys? Did you guys notice at any point how fast all of the dialogue was spoken? Only after I read that. And yes, and so one of the things. So Chayefsky had like final say. Russell couldn't mess with the script. Very unique situation. He could mess with how he shot things. Yes, but he couldn't mess with the script. That's right. So he kept telling the actors. Speak as fast as you can. So like Hurt would do a take and he'd be like, speak that faster. And if you and then he started to do even more like devious things, like have them speaking while they're eating, have them talking over each other. Uh I mean it, the, the dialogue is and I love the and that there's a very unique arrangement. It's nonsense, where, but it is good. It's a unique arrangement where he that was the one thing he had final cut over the writer, and he tried to get Russell fired, I guess, at one point. And nice. he had already fired one director. This was already the second director, but well, and twenty-six uh, other directors had turned this down, including Stanley Kubrick, yeah, and a bunch yeah, of the yeah. directors we're talking about of the movies that this reminds us of. But I love the dialogue. It is very it's verbose. And the subtitles or the captions can't even keep up. I don't know if you noticed. Yes, 100%. They can't keep up. They're doing abbreviations of the lines in this movie. Uh, Yeah, it's so rapid fire, but it's great dialogue. I love that choice. And I've also heard a a competing version of that, Kevin, where um, Russell has said at one point that that was all Chayefsky's idea, that he was the one that said they should do it as fast as possible. They should be eating or whatever. Like, so... Again, that's you know, it's all they, lore. They, they just went back. And, so one one thing that we didn't get into in the Devils uh, that also runs true in this is all of the word on the street is that Russell was hammered. Another big most drinker. of the time yeah. that he was making movies. Yeah, same. 
<laughs> real recognized, real. <laughs> We've seen your movies. Mm. <laughs> um, have you guys ever been in a isolation tank? Uh, oh, no. well, surprise cat. We have one in the next room. That's what we're going to do now. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Coming up on Speak All Evil. Have you? No, but everybody's always like, you know, I have problems with anxiety or whatever. They're like, you know what? Just Psychology, go to f- bro. Just go to friggin' Float Harder go down the street. <laughs> get a 90-minute set. Wait, what's it called? Float, float Harder? Float yeah. Harder. Like they give you Viagra Sponsor and put you us. in a pool? We're, we're about to find Floatology, out. Floatology, bro. Um, I literally can't think of a worse time than being alone with my thoughts in a tank for 90 minutes. That's how... I got too many demons inside of me. That's why I can't do Seriously. psychedelic drugs. You're like a nun from the devils. <gasps> I mean, look, not that I there's wish. anything wrong with it, if that's what you're into. But sure. to me, that seems like just the kind of thing that would happen where we are in Portland, Maine. There's too many yuppies with too much expendable income, yeah. and they're driving themselves crazy all day, and they think, I know what I need to do. Float. I need to go and pay a bunch of money to go in a little <laughs> tank and they fill it with water. I'm going to sit there with my thoughts mm. and uh, that's going to be the thing. Just go to the gym, bro. Yeah. Put a podcast on. I was once go in a hot for a tub walk. for three hours. Find you a... were what? What'd you <laughs> say? I was in a hot tub for three hours. <laughs> Why? Once. Did you get pregnant? I was trying to uh, deprive my senses. Is that a long time for a hot tub? I don't... You're I supposed mean... to be in there for like 20 minutes at a time. Listen. This dude right here at the end of Altered States, doesn't he remind you of the dude from Return to the Jedi that or stands next to Jabba the Hutt? Belial. Belial, that's from what I was going to say. From fucking Oh, yeah, from Belial. And yep. um, from beyond, like you said, Kevin, too. Yeah. Lobular. This is kind of a hodgepodge to me of, of influences and things that even came after this that were obviously in, influenced by this. Um, I love that um, Bob Balaban, was in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys, for me, I can't, every time I see Bob Balaban in anything, all I can think of is that the um, the executive from NBC actually was also in a movie because on Seinfeld, he played the NBC exec that Jerry and George, when they go to pitch the Seinfeld show, oh. mm-hmm. he's he's the head exec that's deciding if he's going to pick up the show or not. And it, he's so good at it. And that was like the first time I was really like aware of him that now whenever I see him, I'm like, oh man, that's the guy at NBC. I always <laughs> think of uh, Christopher Guest movies. Because he's oh. in like every single Christopher Guest oh, movie. Did not know that. Yeah. Uh, John Larroquette in this movie. Did yes. you notice the uh, x-ray examiner yeah. or whatever? Dude, he was like early on in horror because of the, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he did the uh, intro to that. Yeah, yeah, he, he voiced the that. voiceover for for that, and he does this. And, and then I think he came back for the 03 remake, and he did he do the new saw. Netflix one, or is he R.I.P.? He did do the new next Netflix intro. The, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre that we talked <sighs> the about. Bad I forgot one. about that. I the bad about one. That he did do the intro to that. I remember we talked about that. Lest we forget. That. I try to forget. Yeah. One, one of my favorite things in the whole movie is right at the beginning when Ed meets Emily. He is uh, it's they're introduced at a party, and when Jessup Ed Jessup arrives at the party, there's a shot of like a door opening down a long hallway, and it's the silhouette of William Hurt, and the doors comes on, light my fire. <laughs> I was like, how thick can you try to mm. do this? Like, you're talking about altered states. He's in the doorway. The doors are on. Like, what? What more can you do here? Get no, awesome. both both movies had great scores. I'm not talking about like the the choice of songs they might have used, but both movies had really good scores yeah. this week. Yeah. 
and I was looking up this. His name is, oh God, it's John Carigliano. Mm. And I had never heard of him, but if you look him up, he's a huge deal, or was a huge deal. Lots of awards. Um, and I thought that was one of the things. Like, Dave was right. This is one of the early movies um, of to use CGI uh, and mix that with effects. I think everything about this movie works visually and sonically. It's really, really well done. Um, you know, Kat, you talk about, like, okay, the last thing I want to do is, like, sit in a sensory deprivation tank. But I do love the sound of, like, just water, like, splashing. Mm-hmm. Not that I want to be sitting in it on drugs Go with things hooked up to my head in a metal container. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I think that all everything about this movie, visually, sonically, uh, is really, really well done. That first transformation scene when William Hurt is lying in bed with Emily at night, and the arm, th- that is iconic horror like cinema bubbling. to me that that arm change is like yeah. oh here we go where it's like bubbling and, and changing shape this was a nice it, you know this wasn't a gory movie no there not, wasn't any gore all, really, no. but there was elements of body horror which were fun like the bubbling of the skin and like him being belial like all that stuff legendary fx artist dick smith doing some of the effects on this did The Exorcist? I mean, he did a ton, but movies that we've talked about, you know, Exorcist, uh, another legendary movie, Taxi Driver. Um, this movie inspired Aha's take on me. Yeah, I didn't legendary really, video. I didn't get how. What, the part like where the... he's like hitting the walls and he's transforming between animated and right. regular. Right. What do we think that the actual, like, at the end of the movie, do we think that he really did prove? Yeah. Like that, we have genetic memory oh. going all the way back to the creation of man. Oh, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I would say no, but I mean, he did turn into a simian man and go to the zoo and eat a goat. So, and what was this? It was the was it the Bronx Zoo? I read no, something. They're, that, no, like, they're in Boston. Whatever I don't know. zoo that There's they're no in. Zoo in Boston. No, I think it was filmed in New York, though. Yeah, but they're supposed to be at Harvard. But whatever zoo they filmed that in, it, to this day, it's still the only movie that they've ever let film there. Huh. Weird. I I do have a little bit of uh, apprehension giving this movie high praise because of how close to 2001 all of the moments that are like horror or sci-fi are. Like it's a caveman. You you even said earlier when you were describing the dawn of man. Right. Oh, yeah, very much. Yeah. And uh, that's the intro of 2001. And then the whole sequence at the end where it's all just psychedelics in yeah. your face for when a few was 2001 yeah. was that 69 69 so the, this book came out maybe? in 68 so Chayefsky's book came out in oh no I'll I'm sorry check. I'm sorry check, right I'm now. wrong it's 78 okay, okay. it's 78 you... and the movie came out in 80 next week cat what are we doing <gasps> ooh we've got quite the week planned yeah. and by we I mean me it's my week I get to pick <laughs> and we will be watching predator Oh. Yep, I know you're all excited about Arnold Week, um, and Mars Attacks. So buckle up, Buckaroos. Where's all the horror? She picked action movies. <laughs> Get out of here! Oh, I just got depressed. Why well, you got depressed? Yeah, I watched fucking Predator and Mars Attacks. I'm sorry. Depressed. Depressed.